Um, if you're following along in the Pew Bibles, the reading today is on page 1206, and we're reading Romans chapter 13, verses 1 to 7. Romans 13, 1 to 7. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed... Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honour to whom honour is owed. Thanks, Francis. Let's pray and ask God for his help as we come to this part of his word. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Please help us now to understand it. And Lord, work through it so that we might grow in obedience to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you vote for Nero? Uh, imagine his election campaign. I've got loads of political experience, he says. After all, he became emperor at only age 16 when his adopted father, Claudius, died probably poisoned by Nero's mum. I'm generous, I'm building amphitheatres and putting on entertainment for the masses, although he had to massively raise the taxes to do it. I'm a man of culture. He made public appearances and as, as an actor, poet, musician and charioteer. I imagine he always got picked. Supposing he, supposedly, he even performed in a play or played the fiddle while Rome burned. I've had to work hard to get to the top and stay there. And he was brutal. He had at least his own mother murdered in a shipwreck, as well as organising the deaths of his wife Claudia and his stepbrother Britannicus. And when Rome burned in AD 64, Nero blamed it on the Christians, rounding them up burning many of them alive. Maybe tough on Christians would be one of his policy platforms. Would you vote for Nero? <laughs> no way! <laughs> and yet, in the passage we just read, when Paul calls the Christians in Rome to submit to the governing authorities, he's actually talking about Nero. Over the last few weeks, we've been seeing how Paul calls us to respond to all of God's mercies to us in Jesus. And we do that by presenting our bodies, 
all of ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. And we do that with the way we think. Rather than thinking, being conformed to the thinking of the world, we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. We've seen that that means that we think about ourselves and others as those who belong together as the body of Christ, using our gifts to serve others. We've also seen that means that we overcome evil with genuine, sincere love of God in action through us towards others. And this week, we see that it changes the way that we think about those who are in authority. Honouring them and submitting to them as those that God has appointed, even when we disagree with them. Paul shows us what this looks like this morning by giving us three clear commands. Be subject, do good, and pay what you owe. And this is true even when our leader is someone we would never vote for, even someone like Nero. So let's dive in. First, Paul calls us to be subject. Look in verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. The word for be subject or submit here, it means to voluntarily put yourself under the authority and headship of another person. If we are presenting our bodies as living sacrifices to God, then that means we will willingly recognise the authority and headship of the governing authorities. Why? Because Paul says that God has put them into their role. The world thinks that the right to rule comes from the will of the people. It's us who vote who give our leaders an authority and a mandate to rule. In times past, the world thought that this was a hereditary right given to kings or that the most powerful had the right to rule. But we don't think like the world thinks. We see a bigger picture. We see that behind this world, behind all the authorities and powers here, God is the ultimate authority and power. He is the one who rules the universe. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And because he is king, because he rules and sustains all things, we know that our leaders are actually put there by him. Because that's actually the way God has designed the world to function. God is the ultimate authority, but God has placed people in authority over us. He has shaped and made the world with ordered relationships where some people have responsibility and authority over others. You know, as Western individualists, I think we tend to think that we just sit directly under God's authority as individuals. And it is true that we relate directly to God through faith in Jesus. He is our ultimate authority and king. But the way that God has organised the world, he has appointed earthly rulers who have specific areas of authority and responsibility over us. We're going to see more about what that area is in a moment. But notice here, God is still the ultimate authority. 
He is still the one that we answer to. But because he has set up the world this way, living in obedience to God means living in obedient submission to those he has placed over us. Now, government isn't the only area where God has set things up like this. It's in the family, between children and parents and husbands and wives. It's in the church, with church leaders. In other places, Paul even talks about the relationships of slaves and masters. God has set up the world with structures of authority and responsibility. And that means that the earthly rulers are accountable to God as well. But we're going to come back to that a bit later. This is what Paul is talking about in verse 1, when he says that there is no authority except from God. It doesn't matter whether our leaders were democratically elected, staged a coup, were born into it. It doesn't matter whether we would have voted for them or not. Because we believe that God is king and sovereign over all, we can say that God has instituted them, even someone like Nero. And if God has established them, then that means that resisting them and refusing to submit is actually resisting God. Verse 2, therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Now, of course, this raises all sorts of questions for us, right? What about bad governments? What about the Nazis or governments, persing, yeah, governments persecuting Christians? What about Victoria? What then? And these are good questions that we do need to deal with. And we are going to get there. But first we need to just realise that it's too easy for us to come up with so many exceptions that we explain away the plain and simple command that God is giving us here. Because God has established the authorities, we need to show them appropriate submission and respect. And if that's the case for an extremely ungodly emperor like Nero, then it's definitely the case for our government here in Australia. Paul gives us another reason we should obey here. We should not resist because we will face judgment. Now, Paul could be talking about facing God's judgment on Judgment Day, but I think he's probably talking about facing the judgment of earthly authorities. And we see that because now he moves on from just telling us generally to be subject to the authorities that God has established to commanding us to do good. Let's read verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct but to bad. Who would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, for you and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. What is the specific responsibility and authority that God has given to earthly rulers? It is to approve and reward what is good and to punish and judge what is evil. In this way, the rulers are God's servants for our good. That means it's actually good for us when our parliament makes laws which restrain evil and promote what is good. It's good when our courts judge and punish those who do wrong. In the ancient world, this meant wielding a literal sword. 
even dealing out the death penalty to those who had seriously broken the law. And this is actually good for us. Just imagine for a moment what the world would be like without any form of government, without any rule of law to restrain those who do evil, where everyone does whatever they want. It would be like Mad Max. It's terrifying. See, our rulers reward good and restrain and punish evil. And that means when government is working the way that God designed it to, we don't need to be afraid unless we're doing the wrong thing. See, Paul actually gives us two commands in these verses that are opposite sides of the same coin. He says, if we want to have no fear of those in authority, then we should do good. Do good by submitting to the authorities, by doing what is right, by loving well, by living in response to God's mercy, by presenting our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. And then we don't have to be afraid of those in authority. We can live in peace and maybe the authorities will even recognise and reward what is good. But if we do wrong, then Paul actually commands us to be afraid. You see, that is also a right response to the governing authorities that God has put in place. To live in right respect and fear of punishment of wrongdoing. I would guess uh, that a lot of us know this feeling, and I hope it's not just me. You know when you're driving along the road and you're, you're lost in thought, and then you pass a van parked on the side of the road. Hang on a minute. Was that a speed camera? How fast was I even going? Was I speeding? Maybe I was. And then you wait that nervous wait, you know, the next couple of weeks, waiting to see if something turns up in the mailbox. And that nervous fear that we feel there is actually right. And how much more so when we've done something more serious than speeding? That's the job of our earthly rulers, to punish what is wrong. And by punishing wrong, he's actually carrying out God's judgment. God is bringing about his justice and judgment on sin through his servant. Now, to be sure, we've seen so far in Romans that all of us deserve God's righteous judgment for our sin. We've seen that we've all sinned and fall short of God's glory. That the right consequence for this would be to face God's eternal punishment. But we've also seen that in his mercy, God sent his own son Jesus to take the punishment that we deserve. To take God's righteous judgment on us so that through faith in Jesus we can be forgiven reconciled to God, counted righteous. And we've seen that this is simply a gift that we receive through faith in Jesus. So when Paul says that the rulers carry out God's wrath, he's not talking in this ultimate sense. Even when we've done wrong and we are rightly punished by earthly authorities, we can be fully forgiven and made right with God through faith in Jesus. But the reality is that there are still consequences for our actions. We are made right with God through faith in Jesus. But in this life, we will still face consequences for what we've done. Because sin always has consequences for us and for others. So, if you want to avoid facing those consequences, Paul says we should do what is right and submit to those in authority over us. 
And this actually isn't just about avoiding punishment, it's about obeying God. That's the verse we see on the screen there. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Our conscience is that slightly unreliable instrument that God has built into us as a warning for when we're acting in ways that are inconsistent with what we believe. We feel it as that little niggling guilty feeling when we've done something wrong. And something the good that God has given us so that we can live in a way that honours him in the world that he's made. We need to pay close attention to it, to keep recalibrating it against God's word. Paul says that we should obey not only because we might get caught, but because it's the right thing to do to honour God. And when our conscience is rightly calibrated against God's word, it will remind us of that. And that will mean following the law and submitting to our rulers, even when at times we disagree. Let me give you an example. When I was an accountant, it costs $2.20 a day to park in the side street near the office. But the parking ticket, if you got caught, was only $20. And the the parking inspector only came past every few weeks. And so... Most of us just didn't pay. We just paid the fines when they came. And I think we got away over, we came out ahead overall. It sounds like something a bunch of accountants would do, right? But I want to say to you, that's actually wrong. That's not submitting out of obedience to God. That's me deciding I know better and I just don't care about the consequences. Now, here's one that applies to all of us. Submitting to our rulers and doing what is good will mean that we drive according to the speed limit. We don't just drive 10 kilometres over all the time because we're willing to just risk a fine. That's actually not willingly putting ourselves under authority. That's deciding that we know better than the governing authorities about how fast we should drive. That's deciding that I would be better at making the rules than the authorities that God has put in place. I need to submit and to do what is good by driving the speed limit. Now, for sure, there are times when it is right for us to obey God rather than men. We see that in Acts 4 when the authorities tell Peter and John to stop preaching the gospel and they say they must obey God rather than men. We see it with Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. And that's because at the end of the day, the authorities are God's servants. They are accountable to him. And so if they tell us to do something that contradicts God's commands, it's right that we obey God instead. But most of the time for us, that's not the case. Instead, we need to obey God by submitting to to our rulers and doing what is right. Which brings us to Paul's last command. He says, pay what you owe. In Matthew 22, the Pharisees, they tried to trap Jesus with a simple question about taxes. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? 
And you see, that was actually a tricky question. Rome had conquered Israel. They were a pagan government that worships idols. Giving them money means supporting the military of their oppressors and a government that opposes God. So if Jesus says yes, then he's unpatriotic and has maybe dishonoured God. And if he says no, then he's a revolutionary and they can get him in trouble with Rome. But that's why Jesus' answer is so brilliant. Look at what he says in Matthew twenty-two nineteen. Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. They said to them, therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Jesus says that what is rightfully given to the authorities should be given to them and what is rightfully God's should be given to God. And I think it's pretty easy to see that Paul is applying Jesus' words here in Romans. Look at verse 6. For because of this you also pay taxes... For the authorities and ministers of God attending to this very thing, pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honour to whom honour is owed. Because the rulers and ministers, literally servants of God, we rightfully pay our taxes. By giving, but giving them what is rightfully theirs goes beyond taxes only. It includes taxes, and Paul probably means here direct taxes like our income tax, and it includes revenue, probably indirect taxes like GST or tariffs that we pay on certain goods, but it also includes respect and honour. We owe those in authority over us respect and honour because God has placed them where they are. Now, if that applied to someone like Nero, it definitely applies to our Aussie politicians. Bagging out our politicians could almost be a national sport in Australia. And maybe we don't agree with our Prime Minister or our Premier and what they're doing. I know I definitely don't. But we must still treat them with respect. We don't join in bashing them like the world does. We treat them with respect and honour. We pray for them that they would do what is right. And we don't do the dodgy on our taxes so we can pay as little as possible. As those who have been shown God's mercies in Jesus, we pay what we owe. Now, we haven't dealt with the elephant in the room yet, have we? What about when the government does things which are wrong? when the government persecutes Christians or it introduces laws which reward evil and punish good. And we do actually see this in our own country, don't we? In some areas, our nation calls evil good and good evil. Paul's words here, and I think Jesus' words in Matthew 22, they help us. We give to the rulers the things that are theirs and to God the things that are God's. That means even when we disagree with the government, we pay taxes and give right honour and respect to them as those who have been appointed by God. And this even applies when the government is actively persecuting Christians. When Paul wrote Romans, the persecution levels were pretty low. Christians were harassed in some places and Nero was an awful piece of work. 
But overall, it wasn't too bad. Yet. But when Peter wrote 1 Peter, that had ramped up. Persecution was rife across the empire. Christians were killed for their faith. And yet Peter still writes in 1 Peter 2 to honour the emperor and be subject to him. Our government here in Australia condones some terrible things, but we are a long way from even the level of difficulty faced by the Roman believers when Paul was writing. So that is no excuse for us to not submit, to not pay our taxes or to not honour our leaders. But Jesus said to give only to God the things that are God's. So that's where we draw the line. Because just like the coin bore Caesar's image, humanity bears God's image and we belong to him. So when the government asks us to do something that contradicts God's commands, we must obey God rather than men. Ultimate obedience belongs to God. If we are required to give a man worship that belongs only to God, we must worship God alone. This isn't always an easy line for us to draw. At times in history, like for Bonhoeffer in Nazi Germany, this will mean careful, considered disobedience to commands which are evil to do good and honour God. That's what he was doing when he hid and rescued Jews. This all become really very real to us in the last few years through the COVID pandemic, hasn't it? I think it was right for us for a short time in good faith to obey government lockdowns and to meet online. But we don't just obey unthinkingly. We consider carefully what it looks like to give to God alone what is God's. Personally, after the pandemic, I feel less trusting of our governments and more wary and careful because they don't see that church is not just like any other business. Church actually is an essential service for Christians. But let's remember in the midst of all of that that we actually have opportunities to speak and to influence our leaders in ways that the Romans could only dream of. We can go and meet with our politicians to plead our case, and we don't have to fear they'll have our head chopped off. We can legally, respectfully protest. We can be wise and careful with our vote, voting according to our Christian conscience. We can even run for office, seeking to change the things that dishonour God. And those are good things. When the government does what is wrong, we have opportunities to submit while still speaking out. But we must not get so, much, so caught up in caveats that we miss the clear, simple, willing, respectful submission that Paul is calling us to here. And at the end of the day, we can submit that with the confidence that as God's servants those in authority will one day stand before his judgment seat and answer to him for how they've acted. We can leave judgment to him. So let's check on our own heart and conscience here. Do you think and speak of our leaders with honour and respect as those that God has appointed? 
or do you mock them? Do you do good, obeying the laws of our lands out of respect for those that God has appointed as our leaders? Or do you think that you know better and obey only when it's too costly to not? Do you pay the taxes and revenue that you owe, being honest and faithful with your taxes and on your Centrelink forms? Or do you fudge it, keeping what is not rightfully yours? Do you give to the government what is the government's and give to God what is God's? I, I wouldn't vote for Nero <laughs> and I'm glad he's not our leader. But if anything, I think that actually makes these words from Paul even more challenging. As those who've been shown incredible mercy in Jesus... Let's honour God by submitting to those that he has put in authority over us, by doing what is right and good, by paying what we owe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word does challenge us. It challenges us in the simple, everyday things of life, to give all of our lives to give ourselves to you in all of our lives as living sacrifices. Father, these words are not hard to understand, but they are hard to put into practice and they are challenging to us. We ask, Lord, that you would help us, that you would give us wisdom to know where, where to give to you only the things that are yours and where to give to the authorities the right submission and respect and honour that we owe. We ask, Lord, that we would honour you in the way that we would do this. Convict us of the places where we have grown unfaithful in this. And Lord, remind us of the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus. Lord, through him, grow us in this obedient submission to those you have placed over us as we live in obedient submission to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.